Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. With this latest slate of Game 2s not being all that meaningful in the big picture, and that's no slight to the Grizzlies and the Utah Jazz or the Philadelphia 76ers and the Washington Wizards, and I will say I thoroughly enjoyed the Knicks' comeback win over the Hawks to tie that series and how it reminded us how special the atmosphere at Madison Square Garden can be when New York has a team that matters. But... My sleep cycle since starting this daily podcast has been suffering. So for this episode, I wanted to focus on an NBA topic that is not current playoffs related. And that is the current debate over whether or not it is in the best interest of both Steph Curry and the Warriors to continue their relationship for the foreseeable future. I'm not going to say the answer is easy as much as most Warrior fans might think it is. Because anytime you're talking about investing $200 plus million in anyone, much less an athlete who will turn 34 years old next season and has either missed significant time or had to play compromised because of an injury. Steph is tough, but he's not indestructible by any means. I think we've seen that. Now, the easy answer is to say, give Steph whatever he wants. He's earned it. He deserves it. And for the most part, I agree with that sentiment, especially if he wants to keep his options open by signing a shorter rather than longer deal. That would actually serve both parties. Just know that there will be a price to be paid, Warriors and Steph fans, and you will get no sympathy from me. Rather, I will remind you that this is what you asked for when the bill comes due, and rest assured, it will. 
So before you go all in and call anyone an idiot, me or anybody else, should they express the least bit of reservation about giving Steph another max contract, just know that another one of your favorite Bay Area teams faced a similar decision with another favorite son who, like Steph, dragged a woeful local team out of the swamp to a run of multiple championships. And that team made the cold-hearted decision of moving on and benefited by continuing to be one of the best teams in the league and capturing yet another championship. I'm talking, of course, about the San Francisco 49ers and their decision to move on from the legendary Joe Montana. There are a few elements that differentiate the situation from Steph's. The 49ers already had his successor in the fold, Steve Young, although at the time it was very much up in the air as to whether he could come anywhere close to being the quarterback Montana was. Steve ultimately made good on their faith, taking them to seven consecutive playoff appearances, including all the way to the conference championship four times and one Super Bowl title. It didn't match Montana's four Super Bowl victories, to be sure. But then Young and the 49ers had to compete under the newly introduced salary cap, as opposed to owner Eddie DeBartolo's willingness and ability to field the best team money could buy. The 49ers moved on from Montana a year after he missed an entire season because of an injury. Sound familiar? And two years before the salary cap was introduced. They did it because GM and coach Bill Walsh never let sentiment cloud his judgment when it came to personnel. It was also a different time in terms of public fallout from such a move. No social media, no YouTube, no NFL League Pass, no 24-hour sports news outlets and the accompanying talk shows. Walsh was as cold-blooded as they came, but the heat he took was fairly short-lived, and it served the 49ers extremely well. Those two things are no doubt connected. Montana, at 37, proved he still had a little bit left in the tank, leading the Kansas City Chiefs to the AFC Championship game before losing. But the next year, he and the Chiefs lost in the wildcard game, and Montana retired. As much as 49ers fans hated it at the time, and Montana resented it, it was the prudent move for the competitive interests of the franchise. I am in no way advocating that the Warriors move on or play hardball with Steph. It would be a public relations disaster. Steph isn't just a player who helped lead the Warriors to three titles and five consecutive runs to the finals, arguably the most glorious stretch in Bay Area sports history. He is as much beloved for who he is as a person and a spokesman and his good works, and rightfully so. Montana was not anywhere near as fan-friendly, nor do I think he would have made himself any more visible in this day and age than he did then. As someone who was a 49ers beat writer for their last Super Bowl win with Montana, yeah, that was me, and the following year when they lost to the New York Giants in the conference championship and Montana suffered the injury that would cost him the following season, I got to know Montana a bit. He loved to play football. He loved to win. He loved the camaraderie of the locker room. The media? Public appearances? He was almost shy when it came to all that. Not rude, just not really all that interested. His connection with the fans was that he was Joe Cool, slightly built, not unlike Steph, the little guy who always seemed to come through in the clutch. 
He and Bill Walsh transformed the game of football in a way not all that different from what Steph Curry and Steve Kerr did with their amplified version of small ball. But Warriors GM Bob Myers doesn't have the luxury of being as cold-blooded as Walsh, even if he wanted to. As much as Warriors fans aren't going to like this, though, here are the cold hard facts. Steph will be 34 years old next year's season and will make $45.7 million on his current contract. If he signs the full extension he's eligible for this summer, it will be for four years and $215 million, meaning that he will be on the books through his 38th birthday. So what, you might say? LeBron James is signed through his 38th birthday, and look what he's still doing. To which I would say, you're right. But there's another player right now you might want to consider who also will be making max money at the age of 37 next season. Suns point guard Chris Paul. And a case can be made that Steph has a lot more in common with Paul than he does LeBron. Let's start with the size. Both CP3 and Steph are on the small side for point guards. CP3 in height, Steph in weight. I know there's this sentiment out there that Steph doesn't rely on his athleticism and therefore will not be affected by age because of his extraordinary shooting. That's missing how he gets open. With agility, change of direction, speed. His athleticism is very much a part of what creates his ability to display his amazing marksmanship. Then there's the recent injury history. I won't go into all the details about CP3 consistently breaking down for the last years, uh, last few years. Just know that he has. The shoulder bruise that has his ability to impact the Suns' current first-round series with the Lakers is merely the latest example. Steph has had his own share of problems. Fractured tailbone this year. A broken wrist last year. He's played four straight years now, handicapped by some sort of injury. And that's more likely to continue than not. That's not cynicism. It's reality. Steph also is going to be making considerably more than LeBron over the course of his extension. LeBron will make $41 million in the last year of his current extension with the Lakers. Steph will make more than that next season. By the time he's 38, he will be making more than $60 million a year, unless the Warriors front load his contract, which would be its own hindrance since it would make more sense for them to have as much money to spend on the pieces around him now rather than later. I told you, the answer of whether to extend him isn't as easy as it sounds. I find the narrative being put out there that Steph might want to take a shorter deal with the Warriors to safeguard his prospects of continuing to play for championships, giving him the, the ability to go elsewhere if they can't. As if paying Steph the max doesn't limit their ability to do that. It seems to be conveniently overlooked that the Warriors were able to build a deep championship roster precisely because they had Steph, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green on relatively cap-friendly contracts. And then they got the out-of-the-blue gift of a massive increase in the salary cap to be able to sign Kevin Durant outright as a free agent. Could that happen again? Sure. Not likely, but if you want to believe lightning can strike twice, I'll play along. Will it happen with Steph, Clay, Dre, and KD all being 30-somethings and in their prime? No. The short of all this is, 
the Warriors should re-sign Steph and enjoy him as a person, as a personality whose joy for playing the game is as entertaining and enthralling as anything in sports right now outside of Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Enjoy his unrivaled shot making. Just don't resent him, his contract, or the Warriors if it doesn't produce anything more than what Chris Paul is doing for the Suns right now, which is leading a team that can provide some postseason moments, but may not sniff another run to the finals, much less the hoisting of another championship banner. For me, it's a worthwhile trade-off. But everyone has to go into it knowing that that is not only a very real possibility, it's the likeliest and maybe even most optimistic outcome. You can thank me later. All right, one, one last item I do want to hit because we've made so much of the Nets winning game one over the Celtics, then winning game two decisively, blowing them out. And I can't help but feel that we're trying to justify the early expectations that the Nets are going to be this juggernaut that is just going to roll through the Eastern Conference. And meanwhile, we're ignoring what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing to the Washington Wizards in very similar fashion. And quite honestly, seemingly just as easy or easier than what the Nets are doing to the Celtics. And let's keep in mind who the Nets are playing. Maybe it's the veneer of the Boston Celtics history that is skewing things and the relative lack of veneer for the Washington Wizards' recent history. But let's be clear who the Celtics are. They're a 36-36 and 36 team who had to make the playoffs through the play-in, started the series without their second-best player, Jalen Brown, and had their best player, Jason Tatum, for only... 21 minutes in game two. Their starting lineup without Tatum is Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Tristan Thompson, and Aaron Nesmith. Now, if you gave that lineup and you said that they were playing James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, and Joe Harris as a starting five, you would expect exactly what we've seen, if not more. From, from the Nets. Even with Jason Tatum, you're talking about a guy who wants to be the next KD playing against KD. And I admire what Kevin Durant has done in this series so far when Jason Tatum was there. He took on the challenge. He has been the defensive player that not only I know he can be, but I thought he had to be in order for the Nets to come anywhere close to what everyone's expectations for them are. But he's going to have to carry that on, facing the Bucks, facing the 76ers. That is when we'll find out if the Nets truly are capable of getting out of the Eastern Conference and making it to the NBA Finals. Last word, just want to mention this as far as it comes to Russell Westbrook. You saw him get injured in Game 2 against the Sixers, and I'm not going to get into the fans throwing popcorn at him. Those who've been around the league and the game for a while, as I have, know that there's been far worse done to players. I don't condone any of it, but I'm also not going to go overboard with what transpired. 
It's a bad look. It's something that shouldn't happen. But it does. And it has. The point I want to make is that Russell Westbrook is not likely to age anywhere close to what Steph Curry will. This is the failing in Russ's game. Because it, for all of his numbers, for all of his success, it is built on his energy and his athleticism. And at this point in his career, it's moving the other way. He's at a point in his career where Chris Paul and Steph Curry as examples have developed their games in other ways where they don't rely on their pure athleticism as much. Considering Russ's history, considering his experience, you would have hoped that he would have developed that. That's where, when I hear former players talking about how Russ is not appreciated for the way that he plays, make no mistake, I appreciate and admire that he's one of the guys that goes out there and plays hard every single night, plays as if every minute matters. That used to be a foregone conclusion among star players. It's simply not to the level of what we expect from a guy who has been a league MVP. Conversely, look at what Derrick Rose is doing for the New York Knicks. His athleticism has diminished more than Russell's has. And yet, he led the Knicks to a Game 2 victory. And make no mistake, Derrick Rose led them to that victory. Is Russell capable of doing that? You would think that with all the former players singing his praises, saying that he is underappreciated, he should be able to give us at least one performance on that level. All that is thrown into doubt now because of the injury. I don't know that even without it, that we could have realistically expected to see that happen. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please, please, please rate and review the show. I want to thank all of you who have. I want to thank you all in general. Those of you who are supporting this new daily podcast, I hear you, I see you, and it is much appreciated. It makes the work worthwhile. And ultimately, I do it for you guys. Just know that. Brings me pleasure to talk about the game, but if you weren't enjoying the consumption of that, then I don't know that I would continue to do it just for my own satisfaction. All right. We've got another great slate of games coming up. Game three of Milwaukee at Miami, the Suns and the Lakers, and the Denver Nuggets heading to Portland to face the Blazers in a game three. I'm sure we'll get into those in the final podcast of the week. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.